Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom with someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Lucy Aguilar Kirchhoff. And she's going to come on uh, and talk about her journey, talk about her company, uh, lessons that uh, she's learned, talk about her secret sauce and how she positions herself uh, for potential clients. Uh, So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Lucy? Hello, and thank you so much for having me, Dr. Will. Um, So yeah, my name is Lucy. I I also go by Laurel uh, Aguilar Kirchhoff. I I was a 20-year classroom teacher. I specialized in middle school. So a lot of times people are like, oh, either I think everyone kind of finds their niche in education. And middle school was definitely my place. I loved being a middle school teacher. I taught um, both U.S. history and uh, physical science. So I did that for about 20 years. And within the last couple of years of transition now, I work at my county office um, as a digital learning specialist and taking all of those lessons that I learned from using technology in the classroom and just being a classroom teacher and bringing it out and trying to help uh, help more teachers cast a wider net and really help more students. So. Um, I'm a mom. I have two teenage boys and um, I've been, uh, that's been really interesting to see my own children go through the the school system. Uh, They did go to, uh, my older son went to the school that I actually taught at. So that was an interesting to see the perspective from a a parent versus actually being a teacher. And then um, over the last about five years, I really started to switch into this um, edupreneur space and really start to think about how I could uh, really try to branch out, help more people and and really get into um, different aspects of education that maybe I didn't think about before being a classroom teacher. So it's just a little bit about me and, uh, and yeah, just this has been a really fun, exciting time. And, and I know this last year has been hard, but there's been a lot of lessons learned, so I'm excited to talk to you about them. All right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. Uh, <laughs> what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up, and how did you find yourself in education? Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. I never, when I was younger, I never thought I would be a teacher. I wanted to be an astronaut, like, so legit bad. I watched... Uh, I loved NASA. I I loved, um, I had some really awesome teachers when I was in, you know, the primary grades. And we talked a lot about space and and exploration. Um, I did, uh, I loved Krista McAuliffe. She was like my hero. And so uh, that was very uh, devastating for me when I saw the Challenger um, explode in my class in third grade. Um, but it didn't deter me. I really, really wanted to be an astronaut, but what I realized, and, and now we're in retrospect, thinking back, 
um, it just never seemed like it was going to happen. I, I told my teachers, I told my parents that they're like, oh, that's cute. But it was never like something that was in my reach. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was just, um, I don't know. So I went through the school system, kind of was back and forth. I ended up going to Cal State Fullerton and I got my bachelor's in criminal justice. I thought I was going to be a lawyer and I was uh, going to be the second one in my family to go to college. And my dad went on the GI Bill, but um, I did an internship at a law firm and realized very, very quickly that, well, that is an excellent profession and great for other people. It wasn't for me. So I didn't know what to do. I was out of college with this degree that I couldn't use. So my friend suggested that I start substitute teaching. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with teaching. And um, I realized very, very quickly, I was 22 years old and I realized like, oh, I need to, this is what I need to do. And I started, no one would take the middle school jobs. So I started taking them. I always had substitute teaching jobs. And then um, within the first six months of me being the sub, I was offered a position. So I was like, heck yeah, I'll take it. And that's kind of how it, it's so strange how, how life is. And um, I've never looked back. It was amazing. I went, I went back to school, got my teaching credential, got my master's degree and, and then just, just dove in into the deep end. I was like, yes, I'm a teacher. And I think that's also why science really appealed to me because I loved so much about science growing up and, and being, and really fascinated with space and space exploration that being able to teach the things that I loved and maybe open that up for other students to be like, you really could be an astronaut. You really could get into this. You can do this math. You can, this is a, a whole world. Um, I think that really appealed to me. So, yeah. So what were your reasons for becoming an entrepreneur? Where did the idea of motivated learning come from? So, Dr. Will, have you ever dissected a sheep's eye? No. Like a sheep's eyeball? Have you, did you any, do any dissections at school? We did a pig. A pig, okay, like a fetal pig, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, this is, uh, I'll tell you what. So I was this brand new teacher, right? I was 22-ish, 22 and some change. And I, um, was going through and I realized I had to take all of these like 12 year old children and give them scalpels and, and, sh and have them dissect a sheep's eye. Right. And I, I knew that I knew, I knew how to do that, but I didn't know like how to teach that. So I had a really, really great mentor. Um, his name is Rob Ibbotson and he was a teacher at my school and he was like, Hey, come to my classroom before, school on whatever day it was. And I'm going to teach you how to teach this. I'm going to, I know you know how to dissect a sheep's eye, but I'm going to teach you how to teach it. And that lesson was amazing because it was such, it was so generous on his part. But I thought even back then I was like, we need these tutorials. I know a lot of content, but then actually telling a 12 year old how to hold a scalpel, let alone open up an eye and get that out. 
and, and do all of the things that we needed to do. Like look at the op- and really teach them, not just show them and then let them explore. That's where motivated learning comes from because that's where I wanted just to create a repository of materials for teachers where they could go, maybe they have a question, maybe they want some free materials, but maybe they could go and actually see me walk them through it and teach them not how to teach, but how they could maybe possibly open up to it. That lesson from Rob was so valuable to me. And I've been so, so fortunate to have wonderful mentors that have taken me under their wing and showed me things that I thought, this is time where I can kind of pay it forward and I could take the things that I've learned and do it either through materials or through videos. And and I wanted everything to be, you know, all of my materials to be free. And so that's where it really started from was just creating a repository of all of this. And then um, and, and then just kind of took off from there. I, I realized that I could actually have a business where I could, where I could help people and, and it can be mutually beneficial as well. So that motivated ed, uh, motivated learning and all of that comes from those experiences and, and me really just wanting to, to help others. So you just mentioned how this was, oh, let me start out doing this for free. Mm-hmm. When did the light come on for you to start <laughs> charging? So, you know, that's a great question because I think it's kind of ingrained in, in teachers that you have to do everything for free. Like we have to give and give and give and give. And that's wonderful. And I do feel that spirit. I love, I love the idea of teacher, share teacher. However, I do think that our time and as, as individuals and as creators and as, um, you know, educators is also valuable. And so making that switch was very difficult for me. I really struggled, really, really struggled. And it wasn't really until the last, I did a lot of stuff for free on, and I pay my own way and I go and I speak and I do these things, or I just try them to get people to, can you just pay my conference registration? And it wasn't until I realized that I needed to start valuing, you know, and monetizing what I was doing. And then as I started doing that, um, I realized other people were valuing it a little bit more as well. And um, I started being offered paying positions and that was mind blowing to me. I was like, oh my gosh, people are gonna pay me to do what I would do for free. And that was, uh, that really changed. And so just looking at my, what could I provide? And then also what, how and where, where is my time and, and what, how is it being valued and, and how can I do all of this in a way that's going to be meaningful for the people I work with, but also meaningful for me because every time I'm out working or presenting or consulting, that's time away from my family. And, and, I, and I also want to model that for my, my own children. Like our time is valuable. We, are, we have worth. And what we create has worth as well. So I still do a ton for free, but I, there are things that I, I do monetize and I do, um, I look at in a different light now, but that was very, very difficult transition for me. I, I, I've got, it was, it was hard. And I felt like, am I betraying my teacher self by not just giving everything away, not realizing I had, I had such a lack of uh, business experience. Mm-hmm. And most of us do 
when we start this, right? Unless you are teaching business at the school or you teaching is a second career for you because you were uh, a business, uh, you worked in business or you actually majored in business and realized, wow, what do I do with this? Because, you know, maybe they did an internship like you did early on and they figured uh, this isn't for me and they became a teacher, you know, most of us just don't have that sort of knowledge and experience. Um, It's interesting. So the, so the whole idea of, you know, betrayal or, or, or why should I charge or how much should I charge or this whole feeling of, am I doing a disservice to the profession by charging? Um, It's a recurring theme you know, that, that comes up. What I find interesting is when you say, Hey, you know, I do this for free and I will travel <laughs> for free. Right. See, I still do free, but I don't travel for free. So if I am, you know, we have local conferences, whatever in my state. And if my district is, you know, it's like, yo, we're going to pay, for you to go to this conference, uh, particularly they say, you know, if you're presenting, we'll pay. So right. I will for sure present. It's all good. Yeah. Because my district is picking up uh, travel. They're picking up food. They're picking up the hotel. But if one of these conferences were to reach out to me and say, we'll, we want, will you come and present? Uh, you mean virtually? Because I can do virtual for free. But if you want me right. to drive somewhere where I then have to, you know, get a hotel, that will never be free. Yeah, I I learned that lesson really the hard way. And and I agree. I, if, um, I'll, I'll present anywhere, anytime. I'm, I, I, I love, and I just actually did a Google camp um, for free, right? And I presented and, and it was virtual and it was great. And, and um, for me right now, I think what I'm really diving into and, and trying to wrap my head around is how do I separate what is for my, my position, my day job, right? As working um, at the county office and really keeping that separate from my own and i don't like to call it a side hustle or side gig it's my business this is my baby it's my passion project it's my this is what i'm pouring my heart and soul into and so keeping my business and and doing that and so looking at how how do i be also professional how do i draw those boundaries how do i really keep it separate so i'm not double dipping or doing anything that wouldn't be you know, ethical. And, and those are all really considerations. I think anyone going into this entrepreneur space has to consider. And I know that I kind of went the other way, like, I like, yeah, travel for free, present for free, do all these things on my own dime, because I was like, is this going to be help me in my business? That's going to, it's an investment for me to go and do the, do all of this. 
And I think starting out, that was actually, it was good for me to learn those lessons kind of, kind of the hard way. Oh, but um, you, I think as people go through this journey, they get to see and define those boundaries. And hopefully these conversations that, that what you do on your show and, and will help people so they don't have to learn necessarily the hard way that I did. Yeah, the, the, it's just one of those things to where I, I think once you have this mindset of this is what I want to do, you have to do it right. Like, there's certain things that you just, right, right, you just have to do. And one of the reasons I, when I talk to educators about, you know, not like valuing your work, as you mentioned earlier, like I want to show this, you know, to my children is that you don't get taken advantage of. Now I'm not telling you what to charge your rates. Like you could have like very low rates, right? Because you could just say, look, I'm just trying to make a little money. Uh, my mission is to do X, Y, and Z, right? So that could be a part of your mission statement, what have you, but I want them not to be taken advantage of because or, there will be organizations who would do that. I literally had an organization reach out to me once. They'll put them on a conference. I've written for them. I've had their president on my podcast at one time. And they said, we want you to podcast at our conference. They didn't. And the conference was out of state in an expensive state. They didn't mention an honorarium. They didn't oh. mention hotel. They didn't mention airfare, none of that. But they wanted me, they reached out to me to do this as though this was going to be some sort of honor. Right? I, I, did, I don't need them, right, for yeah. publicity. I don't need them to make me, me. I don't need them for an audience, so just to offer me to, to podcast from their conference, which, by the way, was going to bring them publicity, which was going to, mm -hmm. you know, give them access because now they would have the video recordings, the audio recordings that they could go around and turn and put on their website and put on social media. And then when I reached out to them and I said, hey, by the way, and then and then this was sort of in the beginning of me sort of wrapping my head around all of this stuff, you know, I said, uh, can you do hotel? And they yeah. said, uh, let me get back to you. And then when they got back to me, it was, we can reimburse you. No. I've heard mm -hmm. too many horror stories from homies who, who do this work about. Reimbursing is always tricky. <laughs> about reimbursement, right? So I said, okay, yeah. all right, all right. No, 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 no. So that that fell through. I had to tell them now this wasn't going to work. Now, now, actually, I have the confidence to simply say, these are my rates. I'm going to need airfare. I'm going to need hotel. And if they can't meet that, then I am not the person for them simply because I am not using my money to make another organization wealthier. 
And I can totally understand that. I, I think what you said right now is just kind of like a microcosm of there's money and charging and rates is such a taboo subject in education. It's so loaded because teachers are, I, I, and I think it's part of the myth of education because education is a business, right? Everything is a business. It's a business. There's the business side of education. And then there's our hearts and teachers are supposed to be self-sacrificing and we don't do this for the money. We do this because we care and we don't do this because, and it's like, why can't you care? Why can't you do this because you're passionate and you want to help and then still be paid and valued as well? And I think there's that real dichotomy in education where it's like, do I, I have to make a living. I have to, I, and this is what I'm worth versus no, I don't do this for the money because I'm, I, I do it out of the goodness of my heart. Well, the goodness of my heart is amazing. I wonder, and I feel like you don't go into teaching if, if you don't have, if you don't have that passion, you don't want to help like, or you don't make it very long in teaching because you burn out fast, but you know, knowing, and that's the other thing, like you mentioned, I don't, I had no idea how to set rates. I still struggle with that. And I, I adjust my rates and what I would charge and what I am willing to accept based on the organization, based on what I, if it's a nonprofit and I know that you know, there's things that I can do to help and maybe they can give me a small honorarium for my time. That's wonderful. And, or I do, I'll donate my time and do it just out of the goodness of my heart. But I had no idea how to set rates, how to get all of that. And it, it feels very hush, hush and taboo. And like, oh, we can't talk about that. And no one share is sharing their rates or conversely, someone does share their rates and then they're blasted. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're charging that. And it's like, I, what is the going rate? I don't know. Well, it's, so. it, it's something that everyone, again, needs to determine for themselves. Yeah. Now, I know some of the rates of this, some of the top tier people because people have shared that information with me. Uh, and some stuff has been shared with me by not the person themselves, but maybe someone mm -hmm. is on, uh, they're part of an organization and they're like, we brought so we brought such and such in mm -hmm. yeah. and we paid them this. And I go, oh, okay. And I'm happy for the homies. I really am. You know. Yeah. No. If that's what they're going to charge, and someone's willing to pay that, good for them. Good for them. Absolutely. I, hey, I, I'm all for it because for me, it just doesn't. You know, I don't get how people get upset about it. And I remember when I had this part when I first switched the focus of this podcast, you know, because I started this podcast and for the first uh, two years, I believe, or something like that, two, three years, I did the same podcast as most educators. So it was ed tech all the way, right? And yeah. I got bored of it because I was getting bored of my job at the time. And I said, man, I got to flip the script on this. And I've always enjoyed business. 
Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to, when I went to college, the two things that I was wanting to major in was uh, finance or go to film school. Oh. Uh, love. I I opened up the the little uh, catalog thing for for oh, majors. Oh yeah, right. I love old, going through that. Old school. Through. Tell you how old yeah. I am, people. That's me too. <laughs> right. And I saw the finance major, and I was like, Cal three. I said, Oh no, that's not going to be me. So I went to film school. So I have, you know, my first degree is in uh, radio, television, and film. So, okay, all right. I don't want to jump the shark on that one, but <laughs> it was one of those things that I've always sort of had this attraction to business and, and hearing people talk about business. I love when, you know, I, I watch YouTube videos. Most of them have to deal with business in some in some respect and when i hear us in the field push back on that right because i got so much flack when i make that switch right and i was in this voxel group with education podcasters and one cat just jumped out and he was like yo Will you do anything for money? Cause because that's because I was like, what? And I was like, hey, bro, you need to slow your roll first. Don't take that tone with me. But I was telling him that why should I get out? Why should I give away my genius for free? Right? Because all of us who do this work hopefully have the experience. Now, whether it's being in the classroom or you're an administrator. You right. have our jobs, and so you have years of experience in the field doing what you're doing. You have success. You have what they call receipts of things you've been able to accomplish. And then why would you turn around and then say, hey, this is going to be free? When no one bets an eye over a doctor who you would think I understand doctors get paid and I understand some people be like, yo, I want to be a doctor because I want that check. But (laughs) you would also think that people would say, I want to help people help people right to do that. Right. And so that doctor who works at a hospital who then says, I want a little more coin. I want a little more control over what I do and the patients I see and and how I can see and help people. And they open up their own practice. No one bats an eye about that. No one says, uh, Dr. So-and-so, you left the hospital to open up your own practice. How dare you turn your back on the field? Like no one does that, but- No, no one does that in any other profession except for teaching. But for us to say, either you're, you're ready to just move on uh, because mm-hmm. you, you feel as though the education system has stifled you and you can no longer affect the change you want to do. Or you're like myself, who is like, I like where I work. Mm-hmm. I like the steady paycheck, but I want to supplement 
what I'm doing, you know, bringing in an extra coin, as well as being able to, again, work with other people. Like I had some gigs this summer and just to be in that zone room with people and having a good time. And then, you know, and, you know, people are kind of in the beginning, they're like, they don't want to speak. And I said, okay, you're my students today, people. And I'm starting <laughs> to call out people's names. Go, hey, Miss Johnson, what is your experience? Tell me about this. And then the room loosens up and people start having a good time and we're going through and they're asking questions. I, I was like, man, I, I, I had a set, I, I had a high. When I got off that Zoom call, I was like, woo. It feels so good. It's, yeah. it's like, yeah. Well, and I think that that's the part of us that we love teaching. We love what we do, but we can also, again, we, I, I love my day job. I love my job. I love working at my county office. I love feeling like I'm making a difference and 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 changing um, just up. I I was ready to leave the classroom after 20 years. I, I needed a new challenge. This has definitely been challenging. It's definitely been challenging. But there is a part of me, I think, like you just said, that I'm really fulfilled by doing motivated learning. I'm really fulfilled by by exploring business and, and getting into my own and being my own boss, being able to pursue what I'm passionate about in education and, and not necessarily what the organization that I work for tells me I need, you know, so it's just different. You have that autonomy um, where I can kind of have the best of both worlds. And, and I think all professionals, and I think that's where we have to also as educators, as teachers, really recognize ourselves not just, I'm not just a teacher, I'm not just an educator, I am a professional, I'm a professional person, and I have a lot to offer, and, and that's where I can actually go, and, and I think that's just a mind shift in our, 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 maybe our greater society on how we view and we value different professions um, and, and in education and, and others as well. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've been doing this and I'm assuming, uh, like myself and others, uh, there are people that you have spoken with who are doing mm -hmm. the same work and, and getting their sort of insights and their opinions and hearing their their stories and you have your own. Uh, when an educator is thinking about this is something that I, I want to do that I'm, I'm that I'm interested in. What should they begin to consider mm -hmm. when actually starting a consulting company? Oh my gosh, that's I like if I could go back in time and tell myself a few things. Uh, the first thing I would I would really really implore people to do is to is to get out there and really develop the professional learning networks, talk to other people. The, what, the great thing that I have found in education, and, and I think this is where that kind of innate generosity comes, is there are so many people that, like yourself, like others that are already doing this work that are more than happy to share what they've learned. But know first and foremost that it is a business and you really do have to learn about business. It's You can know everything that you possibly could know about X, Y, and Z, right? You could know everything about this ed tech tool and how to use it and how to best use it with kids and all those things. And that's great. But how do you get that knowledge out there? And if you really want to become um, and start your own education focused business, 
you've got to learn the business. You got to learn the business world. And I started listening to um, audiobooks because I went in my commute about business. I started doing a lot of um, like personal growth books and, and, and thinking about who I am as a person and how I could really let myself be vulnerable in this space because it takes a lot of vulnerability to put yourself out there and know that, hey, I have, I have this knowledge I want to share, but being, a business, being in business is different than being a contracted teacher. It just is. And, and, and I love the safety net of my, of my day job, but with my business, I have to know and be business savvy and, and really learn about that. So I, I've been seeking out mentors that are not necessarily just in education, but also in the business world. And that's been really beneficial to me. I, I started reading Success Magazine and really looking at how, you know, who they're, they're talking about this month and, and learning from them. Um, and the other part, I, again, besides networking is social media is a huge part, I think, of the entrepreneur game and, and really starting to understand and learn social media. And I would definitely tell anyone that wants to start an education focused business and check your, check your, check your digital footprint because potential clients will be searching you. They will be looking at you. They will be, they're not going to just take your word for it and really start to curate your, um, your business and your persona, which sounds a little inauthentic, but it doesn't have to be. You can curate and, and still be genuine. You can still be authentic, but also um, start to, to, to put out on social media what you're doing, how you're helping, who you're working with, and, and start to build up that, that profile. So an education-focused business is still a business, and I felt in my experience that I really wish I would have started that journey about learning about that um, a little bit sooner. But yeah, kind of taking a step back from education and, and looking at business. That would be my best advice. Oh, yeah. And because that's something that we, you know, most of the people that I have spoken to about this didn't start out doing this with this intention oh absolutely right so you're you're on twitter you're you're sharing you know you have your pln you're you're doing all of these things Mm -hmm. you're engaging with people you're on voxer you're having these conversations and then you start you know you're presenting at ISTE or tcea or fetsy or and your local conferences right so you're doing all of this uh this work so 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 to speak you know you put into work you're grinding, you're learning, you're networking. Mm-hmm. And then someone sees you somewhere and they say, hey, will you come to my school district or will you go to my school when you do this? And if you're one of those people where it's the first time and someone says, hey, you know, we'll pay you $2,000. That's exciting. And, and you're like, you're oh, like Oh, what? Yeah. You know, so you don't, you're not really thinking about it, but once you do that and then you start to really go, Hmm, there could be something there. Now you have to learn the business, right? That's what, that's where yeah. it, it happens with people is now it's like, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this. And that's where the business oh, the yeah. come in. It's so exciting the first time. And I I remember the very first time someone was like, we're going to give you an honorarium. And it was, it was not $2,000. That's for sure. It was just, 
I just, it was a nice, just thank you for my time. And I, the same thing, I was like, wait, what? Like, I, this is, it was, it made me feel so good. Not because of necessarily the money. And that's a whole other discussion. I think we have a lot of uh, hangups in our society about money and all sorts of things. But I was just so appreciative that they were appreciating me. And I, and that you're right. I did think this could be something, this, this could be something that could be viable for me uh, professionally. And also where, where, how do I want to explore this? And, but, oh my gosh, if someone is genuinely excited about starting their own education focused business, I think there is no better place to start than to really. And again, I, like you said, get out there and you never know who you're going to meet. It's such a, a small world and this, and you never know. And, and that's actually, you know, that's how I, a lot of people reach out to me is because of seeing me present at ISTE and then, Hey, do you want to write this course and for California Dominican? Do you want to write this course for Brandman? And I was like, I'd love to, I would absolutely love to. And let's talk about that and see what, where that goes. And then I realized, Oh, I need to figure out how to do this. And by this, I mean, like, how do I do all of this? Like build all of this? And how do I do the business part of it? And, you know, still, still do my day job. Still, still do what I, what I love to do during the day. So. Oh yeah. And, and see earlier you, you mentioned how do you do that where they don't collide? Mm-hmm. When I go home, I go home. The job stays where it is. I don't think about it. I don't worry about it. I have told, I've even told people in my district, when I go home, I'm home. I'm not answering phone calls. I'm not answering, look, there are three people, my boss, the superintendent, and another superintendent who's a director of HR. Those are only three people who can contact me after five and I will respond. Now, if I'm like in a mood somewhere and I have my phone, that's different. If you're a teacher that I have that type of relationship with, yes. But yeah. don't be expecting me to be answering answering them phone calls, emails after five or on the weekend. That's just not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to make a clear separation of boom, boom. This is my time. And my time I put in the work for the business. I put in the work for this, you know, the podcast uh yeah or other things that are related to the business that's how for me that's how i make that separation of this is here another great thing is i don't write checks right so since i don't write checks i feel good about pursuing opportunities because i'm not the one in my district who determines what gets purchased true yeah, right. that's a really important point. Yeah. So I, I have absolutely zero zero qualms about if someone came to me and said, hey, we want you to do this. I'm good because, again, I don't write checks. I'm not in the room when people determine those things. I don't approve anything. Even when I speak to vendors and vendors, are, you know, I, and, and I'm getting quotes, I'm doing demos with, with, with them. Mm-hmm. I always tell vendors, I say, listen. I can tell someone this is a dope product, 
But I'm telling right. you right now, I am not the one who approves it. I don't write checks and I can't tell anybody what to do. I have zero power in this game. So, you know, like, <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because I, 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 I even want them to know as we are having well, these conversations that you can't count on me to be the one who's going to push this through. Yeah, it's always an uncomfortable conversation with vendors. I'm like, this is amazing, but I, I, I don't have the power to do anything about that. I can tell that people it's awesome. Yeah. I could recommend you, but it doesn't mean anything's going to happen. No, but I, I think what you said there was really interesting because I mean, I, I also think that goes back to this culture of teaching uh, that you have to be on demand. You have to like, because you give, you give, you give, you do all of this and, and that boundaries. Oh my gosh, that was really difficult for me. And my last year in the classroom, actually my last two years in the classroom, I had a colleague that was like, you know what? I put my out of office on every day when I leave. And that way it signals to anybody that sends me, hey, I'm gone for the day. I'll be happy. I'll return just on campus tomorrow at 7 a.m. And I'll return all correspondence then. That changed my life. I felt so much more free knowing that, hey, I could have that separation of work. I don't have to go home and answer these emails on my phone. And, and I also, a lot of that, it didn't come from the school system. It came from the, the culture of teaching and, and what I was willing to do. And I was no longer willing to do that. And now uh, this last year with the pandemic, those lines got really blurred for me again, because I was working remotely. I was working 12 hour days. I was trying my best and giving and giving and giving until I was absolutely just exhausted. And I realized my, my personal business was suffering. My quality of time I was giving to my family was really suffering. And I, I needed to go back and it's hard to reinstate boundaries after you've already let them go. So my advice, again, if you're starting an education focused business, I think is exactly what you said. When you're at work, you're all in, like my day job. When I'm at my, my day job, I am all in. I give 100%. I am there. I don't check my personal email. I, 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 that's separate. But when I leave there, I'm gone. And then I'm, I can have that time. And I, I got much, much, much better. I've always been good at scheduling and calendaring but not necessarily with being, I, th I think more um, in tune with how much time things actually take. Mm. So I had to like readjust and really, I have this big calendar on my wall that's all of my personal business. So that way I can make sure that I'm really being strategic with my time, not just for my business, but also for myself so I don't burn out, which I think that's a common thing with um, educators that are moving into the education business as well is, is I think there's a lot of burnout. So, you know, like myself and others, you know, you, you've been out here uh, at these conferences uh, presenting mm -hmm. and attending sessions where you're able to see what other people are doing and bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the best way to learn is best to go way. to conferences and, nope. and learn from others and see what works and what doesn't work. They're both valuable lessons. 
No doubt. And in doing that, you're able to like really get that bird's eye view, bird's eyes view of what is going on, right? And then we're on Twitter and we're or in or Instagram and you're seeing other people like Eric Schindinger and Tom and Dr. Catlin Tucker, you know, mm-hmm. tweeting out these things. And you really have to not get caught up in what they're doing because you got to do your work, right? You got to do, yeah, do you, right. And so I bring it up to ask you as an educational consultant, what makes you you? How did you figure out your secret sauce? Oh, that's the million dollar question, right? Because you're right. It's so easy to get into that comparison game and, oh my gosh, these they're doing this and they're doing that. And, oh, I should be doing this with my website. I should be doing that. I should be, oh, you could get into that hamster wheel and, and really lose sight of yourself because, you know, oh my gosh, I, I, but it's the best thing about education, about educational consulting, there is room at the table for everyone. There literally is. It's not a, she's doing this, so I can't do that. There's room for everyone. And I think that's the secret sauce is recognizing there is room at the table and everyone can contribute and, and, and really still, and you, you can make good money. You can make a living. You can do all of this, but you got to examine. And, and I think that's where a lot of, I, I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been listening to um, a lot of audiobooks on professional growth and really trying to dig deep into myself, um, areas that I, I think that I, I do pretty well at and areas that I could really improve in. And, and that's really helped me personally a lot. Um, but I had a mentor, another one. I've had some wonderful mentors in my life. Um, but this particular one is Philip Saxena. And I was presenting and I was moving into a different space in my district a few years ago. And he was, he told me that my biggest asset was my personality. Mm. And he's like, don't ever lose that. He's like, everything can be learned. You can learn any ed tech tool. You can learn how to present. You can learn how to do this. You can learn how to do that. Don't lose your personality. He's like, be genuine, be authentic, be yourself. Cause I kept trying to like pull back. Someone the other day, they saw me presenting and they were like, she's so zany. And I've never been called zany before, but I have a big personality. I I like to be happy. I like get really excited and like jazzed up about screencasting, right? (laughs) Or whatever it is I'm talking about. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. This is my absolute favorite. And I get super excited. And Philip told me, he's like, never rain that in just you be you and everything will open up for you. And that's hard because when you get into that comparison game and you get into that, you can lose sight of who you are and what makes you, you, and that is your secret sauce. And um, the other thing I would say is really examine what you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about something, it's going to show it's going to come through. I mean, I'm not passionate about a lot of things, but when you know, you'll know when I'm like, oh yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Like, I can't wait to share this with you because I want the goal of presenting the goal of my business. Yes, it's to, to make money and to be a business, but it's also comes from my love of teaching. And I get so excited about it. And knowing that those teachers can take 
one little piece. I don't expect them to take everything that I give them, but take one piece, take it back to their classroom, take it back to their students. And, and maybe that will change something. Maybe it will help. Maybe it will inspire. Maybe it will really just turn things in, into a, you know, just a different way, give them a different perspective. And so the secret sauce, I think, is really knowing yourself, work on it. I'm continually working on it. I'm not perfect. I'm working. I'm, I'm the best iteration of myself that I can be right now. And, and thinking about, you know, what are you passionate about in education? And then just bring it and, and, and be genuine, be you. And, and, and that, and that will follow. Um, everything else follows. It's, it's, I, that was the hardest advice I ever got and the best advice I ever got. I hear you. And, and I, I love how you said that because one of the best uh, pieces of career advice that I've ever heard was uh, from Michael Smith and uh, used to work at ESPN. And he said that your job is to get better at being yourself. Uh. Yeah. And I was like, wow. That just, that resonated so much with me uh, because, you know, how I, how I am at home, how I am at work, how I am consulting, it's just the same, the same person. I mean, even, you know, there are some differences because I can, I can get, I can be more free at home, you yeah. know, more freely. But this, in terms of how I approach things and communicate, it's the same way. I don't like to um, get flowery. Like I'm, I'm very minimum. Like even my wife once told me she was like, "Will, you're not very." At, at you know like adventurous you like you know you like meeting meeting potatoes right because she's like why right. <clears throat> because i'm not going to one of those restaurants where your peas I, like i want to see peas i don't want to see like some sort of moose <laughs> of peas and it's like look at this pea and i'm like that's not peas to me that's like some sort of moose of peas, like so, like like how I am. Like I'm just a very sort of minimalist type dude. Right. And so even but you know I, that about yourself. I, I do. Yeah. And that's how I work with teachers. I give teachers like just a straight dope. Here it is, because first of all, I've been in PD sessions myself where you just sit in there. It's eight hours, and you're like, oh, gosh. What is, you're like, what is going on? So when the teachers leave me. My goal is you leave me immediately. You have something to use in your classroom, right? A hundred percent. So yes. that's how I work. And that's how I work even on the consulting piece of, if we're going to be talking about Schoology, we're going to be talking about designing your online course. Boom. I'm going to show you how to, how to use gradual release, how this thing looks like. We're going to talk about real tips. We're going to talk about structure, organization, all those things that you can go and replicate right away and do it. So uh, absolutely, I, I, I just can't, I can't do it, you know, especially after seeing <laughs> what I've seen. I've told people this, right? I, I have literally been in the audience, you know, hanging after hanging out with Tom Murray, you know, the homie yeah. and Tom, I love Tom. speaking. 
Tom is speaking. He is speaking at the conference and I'm sitting in the audience. He's telling the story and I'm looking around and people are literally got the, the, the tissue, they got the paper towel, the napkin, they're just crying and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because I know that will never, ever be me. And when, and when I saw that, I was just like, mm -mm, I'm not even going to try to ever do that. Like Tom is masterful at those type as, as telling stories. I said, nope, we'll done do that. We'll get in, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in, we'll get out. I, I'm not even trying to, 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 to go there uh, because that's not a strength. That's not strength of mine, right? And I'm not even, that's not my lane. So for me to even try to go there, it, it wouldn't even make any sense. So I, I'm, I'm, I love how you, you, you said that uh, because it just makes so much sense and people need to be okay. Yeah. With, like, like be okay with who you are. Like if you think this is like, if this is who you are and you may think it's a flaw, you got to embrace it. And you can't mimic someone else's style. It's like being a teacher, being your teaching style, your teaching presence. It's so personal, right? And I think, especially when people are switching to the educational business side and being an entrepreneur, they kind of, they could be in the classroom with kids and be like, ah, and then they get up and it's like, oh, I have to be this persona. It's like, no, just be yourself. Teaching adults is in some aspects different than in teaching students. That's true. I mean, there were adult learners, there are different needs, right? Uh, but who you are as a presenter, as a teacher, as an educator, as whatever aspect you're doing, that's you have to be comfortable with who you are as a, in the core and, and let that shine. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. It, it really does. And, and putting yourself out there is hard. It's so hard. And I totally get it. But um, it's like a muscle, the more you practice it. And I think what you said, you're aware that awareness of, Hey, this Tom does a great job at that. And I've, I've heard Tom speak where I, yeah, I'm over there like, Oh my God. Okay. <sighs> right. But again, that's Tom, that's not Laurel. Right. And, and, and other people too. And again, there's room at the table for everyone and everyone's going to bring that. And we're all going to be able to do this and, and, but you gotta dig a little deep and, and, and get to know yourself. And, and, and when you do that, it, you will find that that is a secret sauce right there. There's no magic. It's, it's not really secret. It definitely, definitely will bring out everyone's true potential. All right. So we need to get into your, to the work that you're doing. This has been an amazing <laughs> conversation and I cannot wait to release this podcast, but I got to get into the work that you're doing. So oh, tell us thanks. about your speaking, the consulting you're doing, you have course offerings, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're doing a lot. How do you tell us about that? And how do you assist the schools that you work with, the teachers that you work with and, and, you know, becoming their fullest, selves right because when you're doing this work you can't just rubber stamp it you have no. to deliver a, some sort of transformation right and so even with my work 
My work is giving you this roadmap, this blueprint, this recipe, but in a way for you as a teacher to take it and run with it. So as you mentioned earlier, if you're this type of teacher and you're this way, I'm not trying to make you not be that. I'm trying to show you right. how to do this in the way that you are, right? And so how do you, and doing the work you're doing, because I want to hear about your speaking, your consulting, your courses, but how do you do that in a way in which teachers, again, embrace whatever makes them who they are? Well, and I think what I really try to do is meet people where they're at. I, I, I have the awareness that I know that I can be a little bit because I'm so big and excited and, and I can be a little overwhelming. So I get that. And I don't expect everyone to come in. I'm first and foremost, want to just, I want to meet teachers where they're at. Now, my love, my passion, my, where I dig in deep and I, and I, there's a couple of things that I just really, really spend a lot of my time is with national history day. Um, and, and so I do a lot with national history day, California, and I do a lot of speaking and consulting with that, but a lot of the other parts that I'm really, really, really passionate about is digital citizenship and media literacy. And not just because of the pandemic, but I think because it's something that can really needs to be interwoven. It's not one more thing, especially now that we made this huge shift, right? We went, we've been talking about 21st century education for 20 years. Well, boom, we had to do it, right? We had to, we had to actually embrace it. And, um, so I, I, my speaking, my consulting, my course offerings are really around how do we take all of these big concepts, these big, and sometimes this word turns people off, but pedagogical concepts, but how do we take these big concepts and really look at what they look like in practice? You know, because again, we could go, I could go into, oh my gosh, some kind of instructional design theory, right? Understanding by design, right? And I, and I could dig in and swim around in that until my fingers get all pruny. But I know that there is not a teacher in here that wants to sit there and listen to me lecture them about understanding by design. No, they need to know what they need to know and how they could take it back to their classroom. So that's, you're right. I, I want everything that be able to take it back and make it actionable. What's one piece you can leave with today? What's one thing you can start with? And then we could build. I love to give resources, but what I've realized recently is that I can tend to overwhelm with that. So I've really had to really focus in and be really strategic and be really intentional on how and what um, I'm offering. And, and that is gonna speak more directly to those clients or those teachers or whoever I'm working with, really um, being able to use it and, and be their fullest self. I've learned some really hard lessons um, about asking questions, especially when I'm consulting. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and just so everyone is clear, I mean, you're going to have the ups and downs. It's life, right? And so I, this last summer, I learned a very valuable lesson that was very difficult that I needed to ask strategic questions about my audience, where they were at, and exactly where they needed me to be. Um, I had made some broad assumptions and it didn't go well. And I was like, okay, I kind of got my legs kicked out from underneath me a little bit. And I thought, 
how can I learn from this? What can I take back from this? And now when I'm making a contract, now when I'm going in, now when I'm consulting, these are the questions I really need to know the answers to. And that will make not only my presentation better, but it will make the, the audience, whoever that audience is, it will actually provide them what they need. No one wants to go and have their time wasted right? Especially not in education. We're like, we have papers to grade. We have lessons to plan. We have this to do. You know, the whole gamut of what goes on. They don't want to sit there when they could be off grading papers. They don't want to sit there when they could be off doing something else. It's that they, that the teachers or your audience sees is more beneficial. So I learned that lesson and it's, I feel even vulnerable, like saying it out loud, but people have got to know, you've got to ask the specific questions, but um, the, the, so all of that. So I, I spend a lot of time in the digital citizenship media literacy, um, aspect, and I've got to tell you, I, I love it. I love working with people. I love opening their eyes to it. I love talking about topics that people think are going to be really boring and dry and then making it exciting and relevant. A student data privacy is one of my all-time favorite things to talk about. I love talking about, and I think this is where my my law background comes in because I love talking about you know federal laws and state laws and how can we protect our student and what does this really mean for teachers now and what do we know or you don't know what you don't know and how can I help you so that you could actually be cognizant and aware and you're not actually unintentionally breaking the law. Um, so there's like a lot I love to do there. Um, and it's just fun to, to help teachers and kind of open up their eyes to those worlds and show like, hey, we're in this digital space now. So let's talk about where we can't do just an E-rate compliance for DigiCit anymore. Digital citizenship has to be part of everything that we do. We live in a digital world. We live in a very small world now. We're networked, we're connected. And this isn't going away. So sorry, rabbit hole, because you could tell like, this is like, this is my jam. I love this. And I think it's really valuable, especially like when I started teaching, I didn't have a computer in my classroom. I had a notebook and I hand wrote my grades in. I had a slide ruler on how to calculate the grades and do all of this stuff. I mean, so there's a definitely a learning curve for those of us that have been in education for a while. And, and that's where I want to fulfill that need and say like, hey, you don't have to be scared. You know, this works. Let's, let's talk about it. How can we move this more digital? How can we make this more relevant? These kids have such an amazing opportunity. I think about, oh my gosh, these kindergartners have just experienced this whole year on Zoom, this whole year online. Imagine where they're going to be when they're in high school and how we can help facilitate that. But we have to also be open to growing and learning and putting ourselves in that space that maybe we're not comfortable with as educators also. So there's a lot there. And, and I just think we have to be open to that learning and, and know that as teachers, we're used to having all the answers. And so uh, we can learn together. And that's my most, I always learn when I present to you. I don't know if that happens to you, but I always learn from the people that I present to you and I work with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. I can't wait to share that with others. And it just becomes this awesome dialogue. And, and uh, I try to do that with the courses that I write as well. I am teaching a digital citizenship course for ISTE, for ISTEU. And that's pretty awesome. I, I think that's just, it's a, good, a great opportunity to start out and like, basics of digital citizenship and then 
I have some more in-depth courses on media literacy, which again is just this huge world that I think we as educators really need to understand because our students are living in it and, and how can we work with that? So anyways, I get really, really excited about those and, and that's where I'm really going with my motivated learning and, and now uh, my YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. Talk about being vulnerable. I was so scared for lack of a better term to like start this. I'm like that imposter syndrome, like who do I think I am? And then I thought, well, who do I think I'm not? And why, if, if it's, if it's not me, then who? Like, I'm going to put it out there. Maybe no one watches it. Maybe everyone watches it. Maybe it helps one person. Oh, well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to try it. And so I did and I'm excited. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's a cool space to be in, but, um, for me, I, every single, and I think this is the same for you, just from what we've been saying, everything I do with speaking and consulting, I want to tailor it to be the most effective, meet the needs of whoever I'm working with. And whether it's ed tech, digit, media lit, student, whatever it is, what they need, I want it to be beneficial for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I, you know, you want people to be excited, you know, you want to do the work uh, the right way. Uh, and this is a business. You don't want a one and done. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> it is a business. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, a one and done, depending on how big the, 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 the check is, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, it won't be bad, but, you know, the key is to be invited back. You know, the key is to have, yeah. a, you know, to sign like a, you know, a six week, six month year contract to co continue willlessly uh, provide PD with teachers uh, coaching. Um, that's where you get into the, the, like, oh my gosh, I can start to pay off my house type money. Uh, that's that's where you get into that. And I haven't gotten there yeah. yet, but you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. Uh, so. <laughs> well, yeah. And being open to it and just knowing that that's where you could potentially go, I think is even just the first step in saying, Hey, I, I got this to offer and, and I'd love to work with you. Right. I'd yeah. love to share and work with you. Uh, that's yeah. It's, that's it's a need, fun time. I need Insta to holler at me. They, they Insta hadn't hollered at me. You know, I, I haven't been on a podcast uh, they hadn't reached out to me to do a course or anything. I'm like, come on, ISTE, you know. <laughs> you know, the the thing about ISTE, and this is just so, uh, for me at least, it, it really, a lot of that journey was um, my PLN and networking and, and, and just like, you know, it's a lot of volunteering and learning and growing and, and, uh, I think I, I feel very fortunate that I have met so many amazing educators that are very, very generous. And uh, I, oh, I can't do this, but I know someone that can, or, hey, that's not in my wheelhouse, but here's someone's name. And I've gotten a lot of re referrals that way. And I try to pay that forward and do that as well. Like, you know what, this is really not my, my jam, but I know someone that would be perfect for you. And, and I think that's part of that business too. And about, um, your marketing 
and also about your networking and also about being genuine. So that way I feel comfortable recommending you and you feel comfortable recommending me. And that's, that strength is really, really important. Those soft skills are um, really valuable in business. And, and I think that that's kind of, you can know a lot, but you also have to be able to network and know and share and, and learn people as well. So how are you building that sort of like, know, and trust factor with potential clients, right? Because, you know, there's some names that we've reached out to that we've, you know, mentioned in the show. They're at a point now where folks are coming to them. Like they're not right. seeking out stuff. They're getting phone calls. They're getting emails. Yeah. And, you know, I'm still, I still got to do a little, you know, the little hustle at this point, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. What are, because, you know, when people are, are, are mentioning um, digital citizenship or what have you, I mean, you want your name, like if they have five names that come up in a conversation when people are thinking yes. about, okay, <laughs> who do we reach out for this offer? You want your name to be within that, within the five names that come up, right? Absolutely. Yes. So, so definitely. How, so how are you building that reputation? Uh, whether it's creating content, whether it's presenting at conferences or uh, availing yourself via social media where yep. you're sharing resources how are you doing that in a way to where you are building that awareness for yourself you know that's a great question because it is all of those things that you mentioned um it's also reaching out to other people and i know cold calling or cold DMing on Twitter or, you know, and that's that, again, that vulnerability of like, you got to put yourself out there and just say, Hey, I'm, I really admire your work. I'd love to have a conversation with you or learn more. Um, and that sometimes is, is you never know if that's going to lead to something or not. I've, I've, I'm not there yet either. I, I am getting to the point where, yes, I have people reach out to me, but I do have to do a lot of outreach myself. And I, I'm not this, I, I don't have, uh, you know, it's me and I have a, a lovely, lovely, uh, wonderful college graduate intern. Her name is Stacy Olson. She is amazing. And, and part of that is uh, she wants to break into ed tech. And so you, you can't get a job in educational technology unless you have experience and how are you gonna get experience, right? So we're like, hey, you can come, we'll work together, we'll learn together. But sometimes it's just like all you said, you curate your digital footprint, you put it out there, you tweet, you put presentations, you put links, you champion, um, you reach out, you, uh, I think also for me with the, with the digital citizenship, I've tried to really not only expand my knowledge in that area, but expand my knowledge of the other businesses that are in that area the other nonprofits that are in that area the other people that are working in that area and then I can actually see like okay what are they doing uh, how does that relate to what I'm doing and is there a potential partnership there is there a potential for growth there 
and or is there potential for a mentorship there where I could learn from them or they could learn from me and and just being open to all of that but it it is it isn't something that um you I think well it's a work in progress for sure for me at least um I think creating that reputation so you know the people know like hey yeah, this is the digital gal. Like she is digital citizenship all the way. And, and then your name is like start to get associated with, with that. And, but it can be a double-edged sword too, because if like, you don't want to just be pigeonholed into that one thing. So you have to showcase other things that you do as well. And I think that that's kind of where you have to really know yourself and be authentic and be into that space and know, and Certainly, I, I would recommend anyone that's going into um, an creating an education-based business to create a website to really start to then you know drive the conversation there, and then people can see what you have to offer. And oh, hey, I didn't. I thought she just did National History Day. I didn't know she was into digital citizenship. And, and then that you could see more and more of of what people have to offer. But I would definitely recommend that. All right. This has been such an awesome conversation. I just have one more question for you uh, before we go. Uh, what is the best piece of advice? Because I want to ask, you know, we, we, because I can, I can think back to, to when my Yoda uh, broke it, that broke down some knowledge for me uh, okay. on, on, on some occasions and, and told me how to set this thing up. And you know, along the way, I've been, you know, like you having other conversations with people, as well as just sitting back and watching how other people are making moves. And even some things by happenstance that have happened to me in terms of some gigs that I've gotten to go, okay, uh, you know, I, I, get, I got a gig that turned into uh, multiple uh, jobs yeah. with them because someone they reached out to somebody to do something and that person was like yo i'm not a school that you do call that dr will and i received an email out of the blue and we started to have a conversation and i explained to them how i work and all those things and you know i've done you know multiple uh webinars uh for them since that since that so in your journey what is the best piece of advice you've been given uh, from another entrepreneur? Yeah. And I know we spoke a lot about you, you, you're telling people, look, learn the business. You got to do the business. But outside of that, what is your advice to that educator who is thinking now is the time for them to get started? Oh, you know, there's so much out there that I, I'm so, I'm so excited if anyone is, is ready to make this, to make this transition and start this journey. But I, I think my number one advice, and this is advice that um, I would give to anyone in any situation, but particularly in this situation, be prepared and do your homework and know that your reputation and, and how you're going to interact with your clients and all of these things, um, 
you really need to understand the needs, understand your strengths, do the homework, do the homework, and then bring yourself, bring yourself, not somebody else, not what you think that it means, bring your strengths, and, and but be prepared and do your homework first, and then tailor and craft and bring yourself and offer everything that you can. And, and, and it's not only going to share your knowledge and lift others up and potentially, you know, helps because the bottom line, this is about helping students. This is about helping kids, right? At the end of the day, this is about we're teaching, we're learning, we're growing. We have these businesses, but we want our students to be successful. We want to have a change in the world. So you're going to make by bringing yourself and doing your homework and doing all of these things and being prepared, that's what's gonna really affect the change. And that's where the, you're gonna have that magic. And that's where it's really gonna be an impact for the greater good. And, um, and so it's those three things, be prepared, do your homework, be yourself. That's all right, that's all right. Thank you, Lucy, for coming on the show. Oh, Dr. Well, this has been amazing and I appreciate you. And thank you for having me. This is, uh, I, I would talk to you anytime. This has been so fun. And uh, I'm really, uh, I, I listened to your, some, uh, some of your other uh, episodes and I feel very honored that I could be here with you today. Well, alhamdulillah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I love the work <clears throat> that you're doing and I always love to bring on educators who are not only doing the work, but they're passionate about it and they're willing to uh, share their gems. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, because, you know, though I see a lot more educators getting out there and I'm loving it, uh, there's still like, you know, a few in the corners who are like, what are they doing? You know, like even a few months ago, I saw something, you know, people were like, teachers pay teachers. And I'm like, you know, okay, it, it, it can, it can, it has its problems. You know, I've heard of some copyright issues, what have you. Yeah. I said, but you don't, do you know, TPT is so big, it has its own conference. Like there are teachers who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars from what they're doing with TPT. Like that's a real game out there, people. So yeah, for those of you educators who may not want to be like that, physical voice, that visual presence, all right? You might not want to be out there, but you love like creating resources. That's your oh, thing. Yeah. You could, not only could you put it on your own website, but you got TPT out there that could be a marketplace for you uh, to make coin as well. So, I mean, you know. I, oh yeah. The possibilities are really endless. We're only limited by our own expectations and beliefs there. And I think that goes back to there's room at the table for everyone. Share and, and don't be afraid to put value on what you're contributing. And, and I think that's a huge part of making that mind shift into the business world is you can put that value on, on what you're, what you're creating. And like you said, there's, there's so many opportunities and, and, uh, and I'm excited to see where this goes, especially with uh, all of the innovation that's come out of the last year. And I think there's, I think there's going to be some amazing things that happen and I'm excited to be a part of it. I hope so. I, I, I am as well. Like, you know, just 
the work that I've been able to do this summer and to, and to see people get excited, you know, and to have people, you know, ask questions, how can I do this? Or I want to do this and all of that. It, it's been, it's been a blast, uh, you know, so it's been uh, an amazing uh, experience. And I hope to, you know, be able to continue to do this work and to expand because uh, I'm, I'm having a blast as well and they're and they're amazing tax uh benefits uh for doing this work uh too which is why again you have to learn the business people once you start doing this you cannot go to h&r block anymore you've got to get you a cpa somebody <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. We didn't even get into that. Like the whole like 1099 yeah. and learning the tax system and understanding that part of the business. Oh my gosh. I was like, okay, that learning curve was steep for me, but I was like, I got to do this because otherwise come, uh, <laughs> come tax time, this could be real interesting. Oh, it will be interesting. Uh, and that's why you need a CPA who is going to educate you. Right. So absolutely. My CPA just didn't say, I want some receipts. Where's your 1099s? She broke it down of this, these things are deductible. When you do this, this is deductible. And so now I know when I'm going into something, I know that if I am going to have this business dinner, which I don't have often, but when I know that this is going to happen, I can deduct that. Now I know that laptop, I can deduct that laptop. Now I know I because I run my uh, consulting out of my home, my internet, that's being deducted. So, but again, you don't go to H&R Block. You know, you need someone who is going to sit down and not only do your tax, but educate you on it so that as you are going through the year, you can actually make decisions in a specific way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how you want to structure the business side. Do you want to create an LLC or do you want to do a sole proprietorship? And those were, again, big learning curves for me. And I thought, oh, I, I'm, you know what? I'm not the expert here. I'm going to seek out an expert and then and, and learn from them. And, and I think that's part of that also, you know, just looking at the two, the duality of it. Yes, it's the the work that you create and you love and you want to share and, and the consulting, but then it's like, oh yeah, I gotta pay taxes. <laughs> like I so we gotta we gotta do both sides of that. No, no doubt. No, because it will you'll get got. So, but having the the CPA has been amazing. And uh, you know, last week we actually wrote our check to the IRS. Oh, uh, so yeah, it was it was all right though. CPA, they you know what? They yeah, it, it actually last. Yeah, it felt good to know, like, okay, I, I I'm doing this as as right as I know how to, and I and I've enlisted the other professionals that should know what they're doing, and and it's like it kind of is like that. Oh, this is cool, like. This is real. This is happening. This is this is happening, and and, and yeah, it's not all. It, it was kind of nice to to get put that all together. Yes, it's been an amazing ride, and I'm and you know, hey, all all the the success uh, to you, 
this upcoming year and beyond. Again, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show. So people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe. I need you to share and really, you know, get this out there because I, I believe this podcast is an asset for those teachers who want to get in the game. Now, though I'm on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So I need you to listen. And I need you to leave me some ratings. The stars are cool, but can you put some words to that, right? <laughs> because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Lucy Aguilar Kirchhoff, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the Mobile University of Entrepreneurs. As always, people, Invest in you, EDU, peace.